The reading this morning is taken from Ephesians, beginning at chapter 10. Sorry, verse 10, chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armour of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness, As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, So we're continuing to look at Ephesians, uh, thinking about the supernatural uh, world that we live in. We're participants in a world that is supernatural. Whether we like it or whether we don't like it, there's more to the world that we live in than what we see. Uh, In in many ways, uh, what is eternal of us is what is spiritual and what is physical is temporary. We, We know that when Jesus returns, we'll get a new resurrection body. Uh, But what is most real in eternity is what is spiritual what we're designed for is relationship with god living in a world that is uh, full of spiritual realities as well as physical realities so in this world that we live in in life as we go on I've, i've got a question for you this morning for some of you it might be easier some of you harder what's the source of your biggest challenge at the moment what is the source of your biggest challenge at the moment? I don't jab the person next to you. <laughs> uh, challenge causes us at one level to doubt our purpose. Is this really what I'm meant to be doing? Is this what I'm called to do? Uh, what use am I? Do I actually serve a purpose? Am I just wasting space? It causes us to, in that moment of doubting our purpose, uh, doubt ourselves. Am I a person of worth? Do, do people really value having me around? Can I make a difference? Am I significant? When we experience challenge, it causes us to doubt others. Uh, does that person really love me? Uh, are they really a good friend? Do other people have my back? Uh, it causes us to doubt God sometimes. Is God really for me? Does he care for me? Does he have what is 
on my heart in his mind. There's three sources of opposition. We talked about it last week that we experience in the world that we live in. It's uh, Satan working either through the world in general, uh, Satan uh, working through our flesh or the flesh of others. Uh, Usually it's uh, one or the other. And then there's just the natural brokenness of the world uh, that we live in. Uh, We experience sickness. We experience death. We experience something that is incomplete. Uh, But we live in a world where we experience opposition, we experience challenge, uh, we go through periods where it may feel like life's all good and then another challenge comes up. And so in the middle of a life full of opposition, challenge, uh, difficulty, uh, we hear these words uh, from Paul in Ephesians, our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So often when we experience challenge, there's usually someone that's involved and we might want to blame them or target them or fight back against them. But here Paul is saying, well, actually, your struggle in life is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, uh, well, so it's the people in charge, the government, right? Our struggles against... No, it's not talking about the government. The, the rulers and authorities against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. Uh, well, what's it talking about there? It's talking about spiritual realities. Uh, it's talking about... So, Revelation uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 7 and following, it says this, A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Verse 10 continues, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven proclaiming, Now has come salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our comrades has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before God. So we we experience a world in which our opposition is spiritual. It's Satan working through the means and ways of this world in order to disrupt us from our purpose, to weaken us in our identity, uh, to challenge us in our relationships with others and our relationship with God. Uh, we experience opposition. Uh, the, the way Satan works is he uses uh, footholds that, that we might give him in, in order to attack us. Sometimes he, he, he just steps in and uses others' footholds in the, their lives. Often we experience opposition and we're not entirely sure of the source. But Paul here is saying that actually when you experience opposition to your identity and purpose and relationships in life, The source of that is actually an enemy not of flesh and blood who desires to bring you and others down and bring disruption and break relationships. Uh, The the question, well, how did the enemy get access? Uh, Well, the enemy gets access through us handing over our authority or others 
handing over their authority through the, the brokenness of the world that we live in and, and our flesh, uh, ourselves. Uh, the enemy by nature is a lawkeeper. Uh, have you ever lied? You've given the enemy access. <laughs> have you ever taken something that wasn't yours, even if it was just a cookie that you weren't meant to take? You've given the enemy access. Have you ever looked at something that was someone else's and wanted it for yourself? You've given the enemy access. Scripture even talks about how the, the sins of previous generations can affect present generations. The enemy has lots of ways to get access. So how can he attack me if he, if he doesn't have power over me? Uh, think of, uh, and the best example for me, is, is a little child chucking a tantrum. Absolutely no power. They're not stronger than you. They're not bigger than you. Uh, they don't employ you. <laughs> And yet somehow the little child chucking a tantrum is able to shift the atmosphere in a whole room. Satan's exactly like that. He's like the little child chucking a tantrum because he hasn't got his way. And he, he works to shift the atmosphere in us and the atmosphere in others. And when we allow him to direct how we feel or respond to the environment we're in, uh, then we give him access. We give him power. Uh, if I was to come up to you and give you a big kick in the shins, uh, well, maybe you might feel angry. Did I make you angry? No, I just kicked you in the shins. Well, what's your response? Anger, probably a natural response, but a chosen response. We get to choose how we respond to the world that we live in and the choices that we make either can give the, the enemy access or not give him access. When other people come against us in opposition, we get a choice. The choices we make either give the enemy access or don't give the enemy access. We experience temptation ourselves. The choice that we make and how we respond to that either gives the enemy access or doesn't give the enemy access. I've got a short clip uh, for you to watch. I know you care about him. I've never seen you like this with anybody, so don't get me wrong when I tell you that Tom, while being a very nice guy, is the devil. This isn't friendship. You're crazy, you know that? What do you think the devil's going to look like if he's around? God. Come on, no one's going to be taken in by a guy with a long red pointy tail. Come on, what's he going to sound like? <sighs> No, I'm semi-serious here. You're serious here. He will be attractive, he'll be nice and helpful. He'll get a job where he influences a great God-fearing nation. He'll never do an evil thing. He'll never deliberately hurt a living thing. He'll just bit by little bit lower our standards where they're important. Just a tiny little bit. Just coax along, flash over substance. Just a tiny little bit. And he'll talk about all of us really being salesmen. And he'll get all the great women. Uh, just a little clip, painting a picture. But there's a there's a line in there about how he's uh, the, the devil and the way he works. He's not going to be obvious like a 
big monster. He's going to be attractive. He's going to be influential. And that's the, the way that he works in our world. And so in response to that, Paul says, uh, when you're experiencing opposition, put on your armor. Put on your armor so that you may stand against the attacks of the enemy and do all you can uh, on that day to continue standing. Uh, Maybe you're not experiencing opposition in life. Put on your spiritual armor so that you may stand under opposition. I I wonder if you heard in that Revelation passage as the dragon and all his angels were, were cast down, there's a, there's a limit to the resources that the enemy has. If you're a shrewd business person, where do you put your resources? Where they're most effective. So why does Paul say to us, stand? Because the enemy's attacks are short-lived and not sustained. And as he realizes you're not an easy target, he'll find someone else. But when he says stand, who does he say it to? See, the letter to Ephesians is not just written to one person. It's written to the church. So it's not stand by yourself. Uh, When we think of a person in armor, we we think of just a person. It's saying, actually, all Christians stand together, stand with each other. Put your armor on and and stand. Uh, Stand firm on that day that the enemy attacks you. James Uh, 4 puts it this way, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, The the enemy uh, seeks to attack us in ways which easily achieve his outcome, that we would feel bad about our purpose ourselves, uh, that he'd break down relationships. All we need to do is learn to stand in that place of opposition, not be influenced by the ways he is working, And what we will see is the enemy flee from us. So what is the armor uh, that we hear about? Uh, We hear about a few different pieces. Uh, One we hear about is the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, Think of the the shield that will cover your heart, not not the shield that you hold, but uh, metal that will cover your heart. What's the breastplate of righteousness about? Uh, Let me read for you from Romans 3. Uh, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So so what does it say there? The the enemy's a legalist. He's able to understand this, that according to the law, there isn't a single righteous person here. According to the law, if you've ever lied, if you've ever stolen, uh, if you've ever looked on something else that was someone else's and longed for it for yourself, you've fallen short of the law. And so before God, you are not righteous. 2 Corinthians says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when we see this uh, armor that covers us, the breastplate of righteousness, it's not speaking about our own righteousness. 
It's actually speaking about the righteousness of Christ that is given to those who believe that their hearts will be covered not by their own right standing before God, but their right standing because of the work of Christ. And so we put on that, realizing that we're imperfect people, but that our sin is covered by a perfect Savior. Uh, the next uh, bit of the armor, the, the helmet of salvation, uh, it covers our mind. Uh, if, if I'm saved because of the work of Jesus and not my own work, then I am secure before God. I don't know about you, but I kind of go up and down through weeks and months and through years. Uh, sometimes I, I tend to live better for God and sometimes I don't do as well. If my salvation de depended on me, <laughs> uh, then I would not be able to stand. But because my salvation depends on God, I can be secure. And so when the enemy is trying to make us insecure about our purpose and ourselves and our relationships, we can say, no, no, actually I am secure. I am significant because I am saved in Jesus and I am accepted and I am welcome and I am loved. And so that becomes the thing that protects our mind as the darts of the enemy come against us. Uh, we have uh, the, the belt of truth. Uh, the, the belt of truth is, you, you may have heard the, the phrase, gird your loins. Uh, the belt of truth is, is about, you know, like not losing your pants. But what, what is it also doing? I, I like this picture because when they had belts, it was also about what, what it covered. Uh, it's about covering the, the vulnerable bits. Uh, it's, it's about having your pants held up. <laughs> uh, it's, it's about what holds you together, truth. If you're not strong on truth, uh, then it's easy to fall apart when opposition comes against you. If you don't, in the middle of a circumstance, uh, if you're not able to determine what is actually true here, I'm hearing what someone else is saying, I'm experiencing what someone else is doing, what is actually true? Not what is the story that I'm telling myself, what is actually true? If, if, and what does God say about me? What does God say about the world? If you don't have truth, it's hard to hold together. Ephesians, a little bit earlier, says that without this kind of truth, we're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, every little bit of teaching. And so we need truth to hold us together. The shield of faith. What's that about? Uh, faith able to uh, shield us from the darts of the enemy. That is, if your faith is strong, uh, there's not many darts that are actually going to be able to get through and uh, cause you to stumble. Uh, but what's this shield also about? If, if this is a message not just to individuals, but a message to the church, that is uh, what we are able to do when we come together in faith is stand together in faith. I don't know if you've ever seen those pictures of the armies, maybe the Spartans, as they gathered together and they all held their shields up. Far more protected were they than just one person holding the shield up. In the same way that when we are not strong in faith, we need each other uh, to also stand in faith that the darts of the enemy won't be able to get through and attack us. The, the final piece is uh, the, the shoes 
of readiness. Uh, what is that about uh, our readiness to actually declare to other people what we know to be true? Uh, I, I saw this article uh, the, the other week about shoes and how shoes had changed the, the face of running uh, and how particular shoes were enabling athletes to break records uh, and they put limits around the size of your heel uh, that you can have on a shoe because otherwise you get too much advantage and there's different limits for those who do long distance versus those who do track. When we have shoes of readiness on, it's not just about wearing the, the right shoes because they feel comfortable. It's about remembering our purpose. Uh, you remember David and Bathsheba. Uh, where was he meant to be when he spent time with Bathsheba? He was meant to be out on the battlefield with his troops. Uh, where was he? He was not on the battlefield serving his purpose. Uh, what happened? Well, uh, that's a whole other story. When, when we're wearing the wrong shoes, when we've lost our sense of purpose, uh, then we're probably going to be easily attacked by the enemy because we're off serving different purposes, maybe even our own. And so back to that question at the start, uh, where have you experienced challenge? Uh, where has the enemy in that caused you to doubt your purpose, doubt yourself, doubt others, and doubt? God. As we look at those and, and think for ourselves, where, where, where is the enemy caused me to do that? Maybe I'm distracted by life, attracted by other things. Maybe I'm crushed down by other people. Where has the enemy caused me to do that? As we think of that, let me read to you the, the second bit of James uh, 4. It says, after it says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, purify your hearts. Uh, when I'm doubting my purpose, myself, uh, others and God, I need to come before God and say, God, I'm really struggling with this. I'm wondering whether you're good. I'm getting angry at this person. I'm questioning you. Please forgive me, God. Uh, one bit of armor I, I haven't yet talked about is uh, the sword of the Spirit. Uh, this is the, the one piece that we're given to come against the enemy. What is the, the sword of the Spirit about? Uh, Hebrews 4.12 helps us, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pe penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Scripture is the sword of the spirit. Uh, the, the sword of the spirit enables us to discern what is of God, what is not of God. When we're experiencing opposition, what is the enemy up to? Where does God want to lead me? What is going on in my heart? Where does God want to carve something off and make me more like Jesus? See, the sword is not just about how you can attack the enemy, but how you can be refined for God to stand. And when that day comes, continue to stand.
Uh, Paul uh, finishes and he, he says, pray in the Spirit. Uh, what does that mean? It, it's, it's about praying in alignment with the Spirit of God. Uh, why do we need to discern between what is of God and what is not of God and where God's leading? Because we don't want to be praying against what God's up to. Uh, so we want to be discovering what God's doing and how we can partner with that, uh, how we can pray for even our enemies. Uh, I wonder if you've thought of that, that uh, we, we are able to love our enemies because our war is not against flesh and blood. It's not saying love the rulers and principalities and powers of the air. It's saying love the people that are even coming against you because your war is not against them. Your calling in Jesus is to love them. So pray in the Spirit, uh, persevere, and then Paul says, pray for me. Uh, because uh, any time we step into the purpose of God, Anytime any of us step into the purpose of God, we, we know we're going to experience opposition. And so pray for me, pray for each other as we seek to serve God faithfully together. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we thank you for your, your great kindness to us. And continuing to call us in love to you. Thank you that you find us in the middle of uh, even blaming you for opposition we experience in life and you lead us to a place of rest. I thank you that you are the good shepherd that cares for us. Thank you for the ways in which you pursue us. Uh, Lord, even when we're crushed down by life, uh, thank you uh, that, that you have a purpose for us. Lord, you value us. And you call us uh, to yourself. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we get to stand together as Christians, to stand strong, uh, to stand in faith, to stand in hope. I uh, thank you, Lord, that because the enemy has been defeated, uh, we have hope for the future, uh, both now and in eternity. Uh, Lord, uh, where we are, are wounded, by the attacks uh, of the enemy uh, through others in the world that we live in. We ask, Lord, that you would send your angels to minister healing and hope to us. Uh, we pray that you would strengthen us in faith and help us to stand in that together. In Jesus' name, amen.